Guys that are just coming in, make sure that you get one of these when you come in the door. They're on the back table. You can grab one of those. It'll just kind of help us track along with each other. Uh, my name is Chris Lankford. Uh, I'm a pastor in Long Beach, and uh, I've been at my church for well over uh, 20 years, youth pastor at first, lead pastor for the last 17. And so uh, I speak not from a from a place, you know, I'm not like one of the professors. I'm not Sean or Eric and uh, a professor at, at, at a college. I, I feel like, uh, I feel very much, I've, I've come to the men's conference uh, for, for the last 25 years. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I feel like I'm one of, one of the guys. And, and just because of the way that God has worked in my life, I get to be up here kind of sharing. But I feel like this is, is more like uh, pictured in the family room. Just pictures around uh, the table together, uh, having a chat about the important things in life, and and we're gonna we're gonna just trust that the women are away from us for just a moment in, in that family room, and that it's just it's just us guys, and so I'm I'm delighted to be able to uh, to kind of initiate some of that conversation. But before we get into the Word of God, before we get into talking about uh, CNN. Uh, pornography, and quarantines. What are those things? What do you guys think? Why, why is that title there? Vices. They're what? Vices. They're vices. Good. What, what else are they? Escapes. Escapes. They're what? Mind control, right? They're, they're poisonous. They're poisonous. And if you, if you drink enough of them, uh, sometimes if you drink any at all, uh, that poison will get inside of you and it will, it will hurt you. And, and boy, this last year and a half has proven that. Uh, I've got people at my church that read the Bible 10 minutes a day and watch CNN for three hours. Uh, I've got guys that uh, are coming to church on Sunday and, and, and hearing a 40-minute a sermon, or my guys are here, so probably an hour sermon, um, and, uh, and, and then they're, they're watching porn for two hours a night. Uh, I've got people that are terrified to be in public, and so they've isolated themselves, and they've been under quarantine, and they've even taken quarantine to whole new levels, and they, 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 they write me emails and say, you know, watching you on uh, my TV at home while I just sit on the couch in my underwear, that's awesome. I love church this way, and they've broken fellowship while still participating in, in just hearing the word and, and watching the worship. This is not what it was supposed to be. This is not how our lives were supposed to go. Two years ago, we had no idea this was going to happen. And so as I lead into this, thinking of these things that are poisonous to us, thinking of the things that have gone on over the past couple of years, I just want to pause and, and pray. And I especially want to pray for Jason Andrews. Uh, he and his wife have uh, had... You know, they, they, it's like one of those, they've gone to the doctor and gotten shocking news kind of stuff. So he's really walked that road. And, um, and he's really walked the road of like what, what happens when, when hard, bad things happen in our lives. And I know a lot of you thought to yourselves, that's, that's important to me as well. And so I just want to pray for Jason and his. I want to pray for us and ours. Uh, and I, and I, I want to just pray that God would give us a spirit of uh, real graciousness and openness together because it's really hard to talk about some of these things for us. God, we come to you and we pray that you yourself, the, the, the Holy Spirit that you promised us in the book of John, that you promised us would be uh, a helper that was like you, that, that it would walk with us and that it would speak to us and that, God, you would write your words on, on our heart. God, I pray that, that the Holy Spirit would not just, God, come into our lives and regenerate us for a future time, but that, that, God, we would be experiencing that right here and right now at Hume Lake. God, some of these guys that are here today and some of the guys that they're connected to are, are really stuck. They're stuck in, in a life and in a world that uh, betrays their, their faith, their family, and, God, it, it betrays even their friendships with, with other guys. And so, God, I pray for them, and I pray that you would take the, the desperation of that moment and that it would, you, you would use it for your glory. 
You would do what you have done in my life. You would take my brokenness and my shatteredness. You would take my past and my present. And God, you would transform it and change the course of a river and move, God, move in lives. The way that, God, I have witnessed and seen in my own. Bring sobriety, bring purity, bring holiness, true sanctification, God, into our lives. And I I pray that over these men. God, I pray that we would not be ignorant to a culture that wants to soak us and encourage us to just keep drinking poison. And God, I pray over my brother Jason, who's leading a seminar about the hard things that we encounter in life. God, I pray that the right guys are there. And that, Father, you would bless him as as your mouthpiece. And that, God, you would work in here and that you would work in there. And that, God, your Holy Spirit would push away the evil principalities and darknesses, God, that press in on us. And that you would unleash, Father, your regenerative spirit, just like it says in Titus 3, the Holy Spirit comes in and changes us and regenerates us and makes, makes us a new creation. God, I pray for that in both of these rooms that you would do radical things. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. Uh, you guys, I just want to share just to emphasize, this is my, this is my wife, uh, and, and we've been married for 27 years. <laughs> I should probably know that quicker. Um, 27, 27 years. Uh, she's wonderful. Um, I, I, got, I was married at 26 years old, way too early, and I was a huge idiot. Um, and she is a godly woman and has been so gracious in my life. And I just want to show her to you because um, it's been really transformative this last year. Uh, as we've, as I actually have learned how to confess sin in front of my wife, how intimate our relationship has grown uh, through that. And so um, I miss her. I actually miss her. I used to come to men's retreat and get away from her. Um, and now I come to men's retreat and I like, I'll, I'll text her and just go, hey, babe, I miss you. I can't wait to be home. Uh, and so, you know, that's, that's, a, that's an awesome thing for me. Uh, those are my two girls there. Uh, we, are, we are, I'm sorry for those of you that are NorCal. We, I'm an avid Dodger fan. I uh, have been my whole life. You, you can boo. It's totally, it's totally cool. I, I lived in NorCal for about five years uh, and uh, up in uh, the East Bay area. I also fell in love with the Oakland A's. I, where's my A's brothers over here? Uh, fantastic. I love the Oakland A's. I was there for the 21-game win streak, and that was back in the... Uh, uh, the, the days of the big three pitchers. It was, it was awesome to be there. Uh, anyway, uh, b- but we're big Dodger fans, and so uh, those, are, those are my daughters who both graduated significant things. My, the left-hand side is my daughter that graduated college. The right-hand side is my daughter that graduated uh, high school, and because they both graduated the same year, we took them to Hawaii for the first time. <laughs> I'm so lucky. God is blessed in such profound ways. I know some of you guys aren't married and you don't have families and we keep talking, all the speakers are like, you know, with your wife, with your family and all that kind of stuff. I hope you look forward to this. I hope you really truly know that what God is molding in your heart and your life today is going to have an impact in your marriage that you don't even know about tomorrow and that that marriage According to the scriptures, the things that God does in people's lives, their greatest impact is three or 400 years into the future. But it requires your faithfulness today. It requires you to simply be faithful today to the Lord. And it will have an impact 400 years from now, and only God can write that story. Only God has that perspective. So I know we all want to see things happen right now, right in our lifetime. We want it to be microwaved yesterday. Jesus has got a bigger plan. He's got a bigger plan than you and I do. So let's be, let's be patient in the midst of that. And, and for those of you that are younger, look forward to that. Your faithfulness today makes an enormous difference in your life that is coming tomorrow. I swear I wish I would have listened to that when I was a young man. I was, I can't really say it, but I was... Um, an idiot in the truest sense of the word. I should have 
I gave all the parts of my life to Jesus when I was a kid. I accepted Christ at Wagon Train. I, I've been coming here since 1974, been here ever since. So I've been at Hume a long, long time. And, but I, I, I never gave women over to God. It's, it's just, I kept it. I kept it for myself. Uh, my dad was, neither of my parents were Christians, but I had a stack of Playboys. That's how I got introduced to it in the old-fashioned way. Uh, we didn't have the internet. Well, it was there, but we didn't have any access to it when I was a kid. And so, praise God. Um, those of us that are older that didn't have the internet were just like, man, that would have been bad for me. But you that are younger, that are like my daughter's age, it's, it's, just, it, it's just your life. You, you can't imagine a life without it. Uh, and neither can we anymore, those of us that are a little bit older. Um, I, I started with Playboys in the garage and showing my buddies, you know, check this out. Look, look at this. This girl's got no clothes on. Um, I started there, and my mom caught me. So I knew right away, this is bad news, and you need to hide from your mother. Uh, and and when, I, when she confronted me, she took me to my dad. my dad. My dad just left the magazine exposed right there on the floor, and he said, you can't look at this until you're an adult. Well, what does every young boy want? He wants to be a man, right? He wants to be an adult. He wants to grow up. And so I always associated uh, manhood with, with conquering women, getting them undressed, which means I was... I was the devil in disguise, going to youth group when I was a kid. Um, I've gone back and apologized to every girl that I can find that I wronged. And until two years ago, I had found all of them but one. One girl that I had never been able to find. She, she was dark on the internet and that kind of thing. And then... That's not popping up, is it? I got to turn off my notifications. Um, then, just uh, two years ago, I got a call from her. It was actually, it was actually an email, and she she sent me an email and said, "Is this Chris Langford, the one that was uh, an intern down in Mission Viejo?" And I knew who she was right away because I tried to find her. I tried to contact her through her brother. We had a bad, I had a bad history with her, and so I wanted to apologize to her, but I couldn't, I could, her brother was like, no, I'm not giving you her number. <laughs> he was protective of her, he's like, you screwed up her life, and I'm not, and so uh, anyway, all this to say, she invited me to come to a meeting with her and her counselor, and in obedience to God, I said, yeah, I'll do that. And when I walked in the door, her husband was also there. I mean, I didn't know he was going to be there. I didn't, I'd, ne I'd never met him, and I hadn't seen her in 25 years. But when she was a young volunteer on my team, and I was a little bit older, and just a little, you know, a few years older and four or five years older, I don't want to pretend that this wasn't bad. Um, it was bad. I was the leader of that team. She was on my team. And uh, we started dating, and I took advantage um, just in the natural progress of things. We ended up doing some stuff that we, that we really shouldn't have been doing and, and stopped short of having sex with each other. But I was using my power and my position in a totally ungodly, evil, terrible way. And I, I had done it a ton of times I was pouring out privately, and I was acting out in my, in my life. And so after I'd left, after I was gone from that church, I couldn't find her, and she found me. I walked in, and for two hours, for two hours, I sat in that session. And she just, she just looked at me, and she said, why did you do what you did? It was one of the most traumatic, painful moments of my life. And after two hours of just trying to explain what an idiot I was when I was a kid, when I was a young man, a young adult, 
I walked out, and that was it. No resolution. Nothing. I apologized. She was crying. Her husband was crying. It was ugly. And then I came to, I was up here, I come up here a lot. I, I work a lot of the different retreats. I was at Couples Conference. And wouldn't you know it, for the first time in their lives, they decided to come to Hume Lake. And here I am working the weekend, doing seminars, being a leader. And I just think, this is a nightmare. I can't believe it. I mean, I saw, I saw him first, and I just all the blood drained out of my face. I walked over to my wife, and I just said, this is going to be horrible. Long story short, my wife and I sat down with them, and we had three different conversations. And at the end of that weekend, we saw each other out, out there on the road right in front of Meadow Ranch, the place that God had brought me to himself. And standing out there on the road, on the last day, we were, we were just about to pack to go home. They both stood there and said, Chris, we just want you to know, you are forgiven. There is no, there's nothing in the past that we're holding against you. Jesus has changed your life, and Jesus has changed our lives. And even though it's painful and there's a lot to work through there, we see Jesus, and we're responding to him. And they both gave me hugs and whispered in my ear, you're totally forgiven. And I, I just wept. I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. It's because of Jesus. But I have screwed up some people's lives. And I'm hoping that my story, I'm hoping that my story not only connects with some of you, but I hope that my story is truly a cautionary tale to those of you who are allowing a stream of poison into your hearts and into your lives and you just think, I can control the stream. I, I, I can handle it. it. It reminds me of that illustration or that story. I don't know if it's true or not, but the, the dad that makes a pie for his kids and, and because he sees his kids kind of walking away from the Lord and doing their own thing, and he makes this apple pie for them, and, and he... he has it all cut up and the kids are super excited because dad's a great cook and they're dishing up the apple pie and they put it on their plates and everybody sits down and he walks around with, you know, a thing of ice cream and he's just, you know, loading on a hot apple pie and he goes, hey, right before you eat that, I just want you to know I went into the backyard and, and I grabbed a little bit of Fido's poop and I put it in there. And the kids are like, what the hey-ho is going on, Dad? Why would anybody do that? That, that, that contaminates, like it ruins this. Why would you do that, Dad? He goes, exactly. That is what you guys are doing with your lives. You think that a little bit of poop in your life is no big deal. But it contaminates the whole pie and you won't touch it. I was not even though I was doing amazing things in ministry. I was leading on guitar, I was doing talks, I was, I was young and I was influential in my ministry. I was living a lie behind the scenes and, and using porn and I would white knuckle myself to death and I would still end up being sucked right back in. I want you to do me a favor right now. I want you to stand up, take your Bibles, open them up to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Um, 1 Thessalonians is hard to find because it's a small book. So if you find the Go Eat Popcorn books, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, it's right after that. 1 Thessalonians follows Colossians, and so it'll be right there. It'll be on the screen, but those of you that have Bibles, you should use them and go to 1 Thessalonians I'm going to be in chapter 4 in verse 3. I ask you to stand in honor of God's word. 
And I pray, listen to me, eyes up. If you don't hear anything else today, hear the word of God. I don't care. I don't, I don't care about anything. I'll just clear, clear out your head right now. Just breathe it in and just blow out anything that would distract you from this moment of hearing God's word. This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. What does that word mean, real quick? Being holy. What does being holy mean? That sounds like, like you didn't wake up this morning and go, I want to be holy. What, what does holiness mean? Set apart, set apart from the world for God's use, left in the world for his purposes. Good. Set apart. What else? Without sin, purity, right? Like clean, pure lives. What else? Righteousness, absolutely. Wearing the righteousness of God. So this word, it's a big theological word. It's hard. It's distracting. Sometimes you hear those words and you're like, whatever. Um, I want you to connect with this. For this is the will of God, your purity, your set-apartness for his purposes, your display of righteousness and living out righteous lives, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles. When you see that word Gentiles, just think of it modern day. You can translate that or transfer that non, non-believers. People that do not know God. That's all that, that means. Not in the passion of lust like, like a non-believer who does not know God. That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter. We are connected brothers, right? That we do not transgress one another. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't say, because, you know, the woman that you do that with or the sexual immorality that you're participating in, it really hurts women. There are other passages that talk about how to treat women. Here, he, he emphasizes that when you sin, it hurts the fellowship. That you are not an island. That what you do in private, it actually spiritually infects the whole organism of the church. That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. It's trying to not be repetitious, but in the original, it it just says, God has not called you for unholiness or impurity. He's called you to holiness, to purity, simply. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Why is that significant? If you just flip over a few chapters to Titus chapter 3, verse 5, look what it says. This is not on the screen, so you're just going to have to hear this. Titus chapter 3, verse 5. I'll start in verse 4. When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. When we participate in sexual immorality, it blocks the Holy Spirit from being able to work in our lives, simply. It does not allow for renewal. The gospel renews you the first day that you respond to the call of God on your life, but it needs to renew you every day. The gospel was not just something that you make one-time decision, a little transaction, here, God, you get my sin, I'm gonna take your righteousness, Woohoo! I'm in, and then you go off and do your own thing. Like we hand you the machete, say, there's the jungle, good luck, let us know how it goes. That's not it. God has called us to be renewed in the Holy Spirit daily. Why do I say that? Because it says in verse 6, he poured out the Holy Spirit on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior so that being justified by his grace, there it is, justification by by faith, by grace from, from God, justification that we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may may be careful to devote themselves to good works, that you would live holy lives. This is the word of God. There is nothing you're gonna hear today that is more important than those words. Allow them to soak 
deeply into your heart. They're the only thing that can cure poison. You may be seated. A lot of you have seen this clip because I've shown it before, but I think it's absolutely hilarious. This might need a little volume. Guys up in the booth, thank you. Uh, this is a little Bob Newhart sketch. Uh, for those of you that are older, you'll know who that is. Uh, and uh, when I told my youth pastor that I was really struggling with pornography, masturbation, and every other thing that you can imagine that a you know, 18, 19-year-old intern could be struggling with, uh, this, was, this was the response. Isn't this it? I mean, this was the response that, uh, that we kind of all got when we were younger. Like, if, if you struggle with something, just cut it out. Stop it. Don't you love Jesus? Haven't you read the Bible? Don't you know what it says in the Bible about all of these things? And, and I, you just get this, you get this sense of like, if I could just stop it, I wouldn't be talking to you about it. Like, why would I even bother with it? If, I, if it was that simple... If it was that easy, why would anybody struggle with this thing? Why would anybody care? There's something um, unusual that happened in my life the first time that, that I saw pornography. And if you, open up, if you open up your little booklets, I have provided you with more information than could possibly be covered in like a six-hour seminar. And so um, on pages three and four and, and the pages that follow that, there's some of the Josh McDowell, George Barna uh, studies that were done a few years ago. Um, there, there are just tons of information and statistics, but here's the bottom line. Here's the thing I need you to know. Um, one, when, when we view pornography, it, it affects us physiologically. In other words, our brain, because of all the dopamine release and all of the, all of the hormones that it releases inside of us, it cuts new paths, easier paths into your brain. Your brain goes, that's the road to pleasure. That's the road for satisfaction. That's the road to, to handle my stress. That's the road that's gonna, that's gonna handle my anger, uh, my, my loneliness, uh, all of the, the painful things in my life. In fact, it becomes so automatic you don't even realize it. I would have arguments with my wife and I would retreat privately and act out. It would, I would justify it in my head that I was married to this terrible person and that I deserved this. When I would get too tired, you know, the, the, the whole lonely, tired, hungry, angry, all that kind of stuff. Here's what those things cover up though. And boy, you know, Dan Boyle spoke to this in his seminar on forgiveness. Um, Sean spoke to this. And, and, and really, I think it's, it's fairly easy to connect with that, that porn is not the problem. There are deeper things that are driving that response. In fact, it, it does no good for you to maybe, you know, stop using porn and just transfer a, an addiction or a tendency or, or a proclivity, something that, you, that, that is a habit in your life, to something else. I've seen guys go from porn and then they just start gambling. Um, I've seen guys go from porn and start drinking or, or using some other substance to numb out. That's not... Like that's, not de that's just dealing with the surface issues. If you have a sore that pops up on your arm that's coming from the inside and it's oozing, and do you just slap a Band-Aid on it and think, I'm okay? When you go to the doctor and they see that sore, would they just go, oh yeah, let's put a little Neosporin on that baby? No, they're gonna scan your arm. They're gonna take your blood. They're gonna check you out. They wanna know what's going on in your heart, in your bones, inside of your body. The word of God is an x-ray, it is a revealer, it is a cat scan of your soul. In Hebrews it says that the word of God, it, it divides bone right down to the very marrow of who you are, right down to the substance of what you're made of, right down to the very soul that God has put inside of that body that you are running around in. Um, the, the word of God cuts deeply into that and that's where it brings change. My interest is getting down deep into this stuff and, and I gotta say, guys, in fact, it it's, it's kind of drives the first couple of questions that I ask that are, uh, that are there in the middle, um, page probably 15-ish, yeah. Pornography has an effect on us in a mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual way. It is destructive. 
It destroys the very substance of the gospel. It destroys the Holy Spirit's ability to renew in our lives. The gospel is good news. Pornography is bad news. And it's a wickedness that, according to the latest statistics, before COVID was attacking over 70% of men in the church. 70% of guys in the church were looking at pornography at least once a month. I've been clean from porn now for 20 years. 20 years. I am standing here to tell you, I'm standing here to tell you that God can change your life. You do not have to go back to that shallow well that, you know, it says in the Old Testament that this is what God held against the people. They dug wells for themselves that gave them a little water but dried up and, and, and did not provide them with what they needed. He's not talking about physical wells. He's talking about the things that we dig into to find a little bit of satisfaction, a little bit of relief, a little bit of, a little bit of joy. Sean said, you know, those things never lead to, to, to good things. They never, they never lead to something that actually satisfies and fulfills you. But you and I both know when we're going so hard in life, even having a little moment of relief, even a little thimbleful of, I don't feel the anxiety, the pain. I don't feel all these things that I don't know what to do with and I don't even have words for that are inside of me. I, I can just push those things away. That even having that little moment is worth it. If it wasn't, guys wouldn't do it. I know what it feels like to be stuck in the midst of of that cycle. That cycle that is detailed right on the very first page, back there on page one. I would, I would look at porn to help with stresses, stresses that I didn't even really recognize until later. I especially, and I, and I even put it in here, um, there's an anger test, and there's also um, like am I addicted to porn test that's in here because some of you are like, I'm not really sure. I look at porn like once a day. Is it really a problem for me? And you're like, yes, it is. But you know, like it's different. Like different people think about it differently. And, and porn has been normalized. It's like, it, it's just totally normal for on a TV show for them to say, you know, some guys looking at porn, everybody chuckles and the girls laugh and it's no big deal. Um, like it's, it's becoming more and more normalized. Um, and so there's a sexual addiction screening test, an actual screening test. This is a professional actual screening test that you can take on your own, kind of come up with some numbers uh, as to whether or not, like what, if what you're struggling with is, is really um, a, a pornography issue. Uh, and then the next page is uh, men in anger. That, uh, men in anger go together like in my, in my world, like peanut butter and jelly. They just are natural to each other. If a man feels pain, if he feels loneliness, if he feels disrespect, if he feels fear, what does he do? He gets mad. He punches things. He kicks things. He starts yelling and screaming. He, he, he resists it. He pushes it away. He gets violent. All those things. I mean, anger is a huge issue, and it's connected so, so much. For the guys that we work with, it is connected in pornography. Because there's such a defensiveness around this issue, it's so hard to be honest about this with other people that anger crops up quite a bit. And so I, I, would, I recommend those evaluations, those tests to you, because I believe, I believe that they can reveal some of the things that I speak to in those first couple of questions. God has revealed himself in the scriptures. And so number two, why if we've all been saved by the grace of God, Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. And by the way, if you're not a believer and you're struggling with porn, you're literally in a battle that is a war and you're out there running around naked. Your only hope in this world is that you would respond, that, that Jesus Christ is calling you to say, to be saved, to, to, to turn your life over to his control. He created you and he knows what is absolutely the best for your life. I know that sounds strange to men. Like, I don't like that. That sounds like submission. That's exactly what it is. Let's not, let's not 
turn it into any kind of goofy little story that has some kind of happy ending. It's Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. This is what it says. For by grace you have been saved. Through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. It's not a result of works so that nobody can boast. Nobody gets to go to heaven and go, God, I was a huge benefit to you. <laughs> That's not going to happen. God is a benefit to you. You're not a benefit to God. But once you are saved, you are his child. And he delights in seeing what you do in your life. And if you have separated him from acts of looking at porn, from masturbation, from times of acting out, perhaps going to massage parlors, perhaps acting out in, in some really, really illegal and difficult ways, if you've got history that is just wickedness as you look to your past, as I do, as I tried to reveal to you, as I have walked through even in the past couple of years and have experienced the renewal and redemption of the Holy Spirit in areas that when I, 10 years ago when I was trying to deal with that, the Lord, the Lord just said, no, you're not ready for this yet. She's not ready for this yet. And he brought me in when she was. Praise God. See, because it says, it's not a result of work so that none of us can boast, for we are his workmanship. That means he has created you and he has crafted you and he is the master craftsman and he has created a, an extraordinary creation in each one of us. But in order to walk and experience God, we have to be putty in his hands, clay in his hands. We have to be, we have to be submitted to his workmanship. At the very end of Ephesians, it says that you, or at the end of Ephesians 4, it says that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. We grieve the Holy Spirit by, by participating in our own, our own sin, by trying to satisfy ourselves the way that Adam and Eve did. Hey, God, we've got this. You said this wasn't good for us, but we've looked at it, we've checked it out. It's okay. Forbidden fruit, right? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand. That means before time began, God prepared good works. All you need to do is be faithful, and you'll walk into them. You'll just bump into them. All, be faithful today, and you will walk into the good works that God has prepared, that he prepared before you were born, before you were ever thought of, before all of creation. He prepared it all for you. Why? Because he holds the whole story. He holds the whole story from that first tree that they took the apple from or the fruit from to the final tree at the end of the book of Revelation where it will nourish the nations and bring healing to all people. Between those two trees, God holds the whole story, the whole gigantic story together. And that center point is the guy that is created you for good works, Jesus Christ. He has created these works for you, prepared them beforehand, that we should walk in them. Do you hear that we throughout? Chances are, like, like me, um, the things that, that have caused sin in your life, like, like me finding that stack of Playboys, like me learning how to act out, when you walk through that process of acting out, when you feel stress, tension, you act out, and you go through that circle and that cycle, you're teaching yourself how to avoid God. You're teaching yourself how to sin. You could, include, you, you could use that circle for anything, really, that's on page one. That circle, you could fill it in for any kind of sin, the, the cycle of sin. When you follow that cycle of sin in your life, when your wife or your girlfriend or, or a buddy says something to you that you don't like and you get angry because you feel offended for whatever reason and you just you follow this cycle, you're teaching yourself how to live in an, ungodly, in an ungodly pattern. And if you follow that pattern enough, it becomes a tendency. If you follow it even more, it becomes a habit. If you follow it even more, it becomes an addiction. But God has given us freedom from these things because he has created us for himself, for his good works. And so if you see on page two, there are ways out, even ways out of an addiction, an industrial strength addiction to pornography. I believe, and we run these at our church, um, having anonymous 
Sex porn healing groups, we use Pure Desire material, the Conqueror series. That's the series that we use, and we take guys through. When we began COVID, I, I think I said this last night, uh, we, we had one group of about six guys. We now have three groups that are about 40 guys. All working their way through this. Why? Because COVID absolutely slaughtered guys. Guys felt so much pressure being at home all the time. I mean, who knew that being around your wife and your kids was so dang stressful until you couldn't go anywhere? Like, that was hard. I, I, I'm, I'm older. I love my kids, my wife. My kids are a little bit older. They're mobile, you know, drive and all that kind of stuff. And I was still stressed out. Like, I would see my wife and I'd be like, there is nowhere to hide in this house. This house is like too, too small. I, there's just nowhere to go. In, into the midst of that problem, we have got anonymous healing groups, their own phone number, their own contact information. Their own, like you can, you can be, we, have a, we have a different entrance that those guys use into the building so that nobody sees them. That's what you have to do. If it's not anonymous, nobody's going to come. Or the guy that comes is not, it doesn't matter. Like he, he, you could do that just on a one-on-one at, you know, Denny's or something. You need to be committed to rigorous sobriety. Do the work. Camaraderie. I, I, I dislike the word accountability. I think accountability scares most of us. Like, you need to be accountable. A new book just came out on accountability, and I'm just like, oh, man, this gives me the willies. I love camaraderie. I love being shoulder to shoulder with guys. I'd rather talk to a guy doing something together than just sit like face to face. So tell me about porn and masturbation in your life. I mean, that is creepy. Like they, nobody gets, nobody goes to a group and is like, yeah, this is what I want to talk about with another guy. I like, guess this is weird. But camaraderie says that we're in this group and we're doing life together. We're not just, we're not just trying to get away from porn. We're trying to deal with the deeper issues. You know what the deeper issues in my life? My, my, my parents were divorced. My dad was cheating on my, my mom. He used to take me on weekends where he had me. He'd take me on dates with his girlfriend, and then he'd tell me, don't tell your mother. So he, he was encouraging me to hide. Um, on and on and on. Even when I was a teenager, I'd been dating the same girl for two years in high school. And like after I'd been dating her for two years, he gave me a sex talk that took him about 10 seconds and involved nothing but, you know, have a good time. Now, I'm not faulting my dad. He didn't have the tools. He didn't have the, the mechanisms to be able to raise a, a boy into a man. He himself was becoming a man even as he was my dad. He and I reconciled about 14 years ago. And I have, on, on the way to fishing trips that we go on, he has sat in the front seat of my truck and apologized to me for, for hitting me for, for being abusive, for the things that he said and the things that he did. And he's just bawled, just cried in the front seat. I know what that feels like because I've ruined other people, parts of other people's lives. And I have sat there and bawled and, and apologized and, and repented. You know, Dan talked about this, and so did Sean, about like husbands making a list and then going to their wives and revealing that. By the way, don't, please don't do that. Don't ever do that. Like, don't, don't, I'm telling you right now, don't go to your wife and just tell her, I went to Hume, I went to a seminar, I feel like I got to get honest with somebody, you're it. Uh, I've been using porn, and I've been doing this, and I've been doing that. I'm telling you, you will absolutely destroy her. You'll feel better, but you're going to ruin her. Don't do it. Don't do it until you're in a group and you have a plan and you have a strategy and you know what you're doing and why you're doing it and how you can take ownership of all of those things and make sure that it is soaked in love and forgiveness. You need intentional distraction, physical exertion. Men need to be men. They need to do things that guys do. You need to swing a hammer, run a mile, shoot a basket. You need to do something that is not involved with a book or reading or sitting or being in a room. You need to get outside, 
Climb a tree. I don't care what it is. You need to do something that is physical, that is a distraction from all that other stuff that you're doing that is really, really hard soul work. Because if you don't work the whole body, it doesn't work. You have to engage everything in your life. This is not, this is not a Band-Aid on a sore that pops up. This is chemotherapy for your soul that cures pornography, but it also brings healing to, to every part of your life. You're teaching yourself how to get out of the cycle of learning how to sin and move in to the cycle of becoming pure, holy, sanctified. As God has designed you. And finally, and I know guys that just want, they just want to get to this tomorrow, you can help others. You can serve others who are trapped. It is extremely fulfilling, and you should never do it until you have prayer covering, people around you. The first couple times I did this seminar, it absolutely slaughtered me. I was not prepared for the onslaught of the enemy that I experienced. It was horrible. I mean truly, truly horrible. So many guys would just walk by me when I was in other places and they'd be like, Psst, come here. And they'd take me off into some like quiet corner or, or, or other room or around the side of a building and they would have that look in their eye. You know that, well, you may not know this, but they, they, guys have a look in their eye when they're about to tell you about porn. They just have that like big round eyes and like, you know, Ah, oh, man, I feel really bad, but I've been using porn. I've been acting out in this way or that way, and it's really horrible. I'm married. I've got kids. I got this. I got that. I got, I'm, I'm, I'm a respected elder at my church, or I'm a pastor at my church, and I just don't know what to do. I don't know how to get free. I can't be honest with the people around me, so on and so on. I got, I got that like 20 times the first time I did this seminar. I was devastated. I had nothing left inside my tank. I'm not so foolish anymore. I've had so many people praying for this praying for you, praying for me, praying coverage, and I'm used to it now. Now I'm ready. Don't, don't try to serve others until God has prepared you and protected you for that kind of thing. Here's the part I don't get. Oh my gosh. I'm going to steal a water bottle. Nope, I'm not stealing a water bottle. Here's the part I don't understand. Why is it that we as men cannot open up to one another? Oh, man, thank you so much. That is a blessing. Thank you. Why is it that we as men cannot open up to one another? Did you see the statistics on pastors in there? I don't know. It's like youth pastors are worse than Senior pastors, because senior pastors, you know, like we've been taken out of being youth pastors, put out the pasture, and we got to preach and all that kind of stuff. And so we're just more boring individuals. Youth pastors are younger. They're going to struggle with it more. I mean, the percentages are shocking, right? But look at the percentage of churchgoers, which most of you are. Let's say if my pastor is struggling with porn, he should be fired. He should be out. Guys. You struggle with sin every day of your life, and Jesus does not throw you out. Amen. Now, I'm not saying that every guy needs to stay in his position. Maybe his position is contributing to his problem. But I will say this. If we are not communities of grace, if we are not communities that can share openly with one another, if we are not the place that people are going to find healing, where are they going to find it? They're going to go to places in the world that are even worse than what they're experiencing right now. The devil wants to take you out. He wants to hack you off at the knees. He wants to chop off your arms. And then he's going to plunge a sword right through the middle of your forehead. And he delights in it. It's what he's designed. That's, that's, that's who he is. It's his, it's his very nature. There is no good in the devil. He doesn't look at you and have any compassion. He wants to slaughter you. And for those of you that have children, he wants to ruin them. He wants to eat them alive. He is a lion and he will devour and he will destroy. And if a guy says he uses porn in the church, it, it's like he's crucified. Put off over here in this category. I don't really want you around my children. 
I don't know what kind of a creeper you are. Guys, come on. The statistics say that, at, you know, as of this year, that over 80% of men look at porn on a regular basis. Quit crucifying. I mean, the church is so offended by cancel culture. We are the original cancel culture. We canceled people long before the world caught on that that was something fun to do. We crucify our own. And we've done it for thousands of years. The Holy Spirit is given to renew and restore and redeem and make right and provide purity. And we get in the way when we decide, I'm going to be your Holy Spirit. I'm going to judge you and tell you how to get out of that mess. We need to stand back and let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit in our men's groups. We need to gather guys around us and have honest conversations. My interest, I mean, I thought about this. Like, should I have guys come down and, and we just pray together in the front? Uh, you know, just pray for purity, pray together, just, just band together as guys. And, and, and maybe we'll do that. But my greatest interest is that you go from here and that you sit around tables and you have some honest conversations. And you just ask each other, guys, somebody has to step up and just go, guys, I, I've struggled with porn before. I mean, you can even say it's in your past. Even if it's in your present, you'll, you'll, you'll build up to it. You'll get there. It's okay. Somebody start the conversation. And the rest of you, I mean, you've heard it a thousand times this weekend, empathetic listening. Don't try to fix it. Listen. Ask why. I was a broken, I was a broken child that desperately wanted to please my father, that hated being stuck with my mother all the time. I wanted to conquer women. I wanted to be a champion to my dad. And I wanted to rise above the authority of my mother. The very kinds of pornography that were attractive to me were kind of like these dominant positions, these dominant things. Not, not, wick, you know, not, not crazy stuff, but like I just really wanted to be in control in control because I was so out of control when I was a kid. My life was chaos. Chris Langford didn't have a porn issue. Chris Langford actually didn't have uh, an issue with girls. That was a result of the wounding and the pain and the crap that was down there underneath my life. That's what needed the healing. When sin pops up in your life, it's just a flag that God has provided to you. It's a gracious moment in your life. When you see the sin in another guy's life, it's just a gracious moment where that flag goes up and God says, this is an area that I see in your life. That's not what you're created for. I love you and I want to call you out of that. That's what sin is. Sin is just an alert that something in your life that belongs to God is going the wrong direction. Don't act like it's, don't act like it's the end of the world to have sin in your life. Some of you like, like swear like sailors when you leave the church parking lot and then the moment you get to the church parking lot, all of a sudden you go into church mode and you, you click off that part of your brain and you act like you're sanctified and holy. Cut it out. Cut it out. Live consistently. I would rather have a swearing saint in my church than somebody that's just faking it all the time. And don't, say, don't get me wrong. I don't want to encourage swearing. You guys, cut it out. I don't want to encourage that. I'm not encouraging filth at all. You know what I'm encouraging? Honesty. Honesty with one another. Be real, be honest, and be gracious. And the reason that I say that is that if guys don't experience healing with one another, I just don't know where you're going to go. If the church is not a place that provides healing for people, we're dead. We're already dead. You could follow along with these questions. In fact, I, I didn't actually ask these questions to, for the talk. I, I asked these questions for you to have some prompts around tables, around, 
uh, when you're just talking one-on-one with guys, when you're, when you're trying to process through, like, how do, how do we go about figuring this out? I've provided a ton of resources at the end for those of you that are pastors. And can I just say, if your pastor reveals that he's using porn, uh, please, please, please don't crucify him. There's a lot of pastors that are using porn, and it's because they are under a tremendous amount of stress. They're under a tremendous amount of pressure. And they probably got into ministry to solve some of the issues of their childhood. I mean, think about it. I lived in a chaotic world. Where, where's the best place for that to be solved? It was in the church. I found my heavenly father, and he was the dad that raised me, really. There's a good part of that, but there's also that kind of needy part of that that I got into ministry for. I never had a family, and now I do. Praise God for that, but it's also where I had to work out my sin. It's also where I kind of like splashed my wickedness on other people. That's what it's about, though. And if men can't do that, I just don't know where it's going to happen. There's a thousand excuses, which is why I want to close with this clip, and then I'll pray, and then we're out. All right, this is Rocky and his son talking about a fight that Rocky's going to do because he's like 75 years old. All right, we're good. Why would I, why would I share that? Why, why would I play that? It seems like a little bit worldly, like, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I don't mean it that way. God loves you. He's always going to love you. But he is calling you today to get out of your own way. You were probably wounded in community, in a family, in a situation that involved other people. You need this community to experience healing. I'm calling you to that. And I want that community to be the most gracious, most loving, most open, empathetic, listening community that it can be. So I'm calling you to have these conversations around the table. I'm calling you to not find purity in a single moment because that never works. I'm great if you commit to purity in this room right now for the rest of your life, but it will not, it is not sustainable unless you have community around you. It cannot happen unless you have community around you. You were wounded in community. You will be healed in community because that's how God has designed us. He's not designed us as I. He's designed us as we. That's why he gives us the church and that's why he gives us men. That's why he gives us men's ministries. That's why he allows us to gather on weekends like this is to deal with the deeper issues in our lives, not those Band-Aid things on the surface, the deep stuff. That stuff on the surface, those are just flags telling you something's going on down here. Have those talks. Get down deep into those things and do it together. Walk it together. Live this together. Don't point fingers. Don't blame your parents. Oh, my mom dropped me on my head, so I just do this stuff. It did that. Take ownership. Take the hits. Do the work. And make sure that the word of God that calls for you to be a pure man and to reflect God who calls you to worship him with holy hands raised up, who calls you to live a life that is like Jesus with skin on for the world that is around you, is not impaired in any way by drinking poison in private. Be healed by the Lord as he is designed in community. Um, A year ago, I started praying confessional prayers with my wife, asking for forgiveness for the way that I treat her, asking for forgiveness for the things that I say, asking for forgiveness with her there. We've prayed every day of our marriage for all 27 years. Every night we go to bed together, every night we pray together in bed. Uh, we, we, that's been a habit of ours um, for, for the whole of our marriage. However, I would generally not confess in front of her. And at first I found it really difficult, but then I found it very freeing. And then I found it very intimate because I was exposing the tougher things in my life. I wasn't praying to be fixed. I was just praying confession to God and I was including my wife in it. It has brought depth to our relationship. It it will bring depth to yours and understand that in James 5, it says that if you want healing, you confess to God 
and then you confess to each other. Confess to God first, and then confess to each other. Why? Because it's what brings healing. Why? Because healing comes in community. I want you to know it's totally biblical. Read James 5 to get the, you know, to get the really the great clarity on it. But men, please, I'm calling you out of a life that is caused by woundedness, and I'm calling you into purity. Don't let this moment escape you. Have these good conversations. Initiate with self, self-revelation of who you are, and then let the Holy Spirit take it. Because he's, he's dying, dying to pour the blood of Christ into these things. God, thank you. Pray over these men that you would bless them, and that, God, you would keep the evil one away from them as they engage the truth that is deep, deep down, the deep longings that you have placed in their lives. I pray it over them in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. All God's men said, amen.